Hey listeners, welcome back to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. I'm Chuck Peters, your host, and I'm excited today to have a, a good friend here as a guest, Dr. Shelly Melia. Hi, Shelly. How are you? Morning, Chuck. It's great to be here. Good morning. Now, you are in Dallas. Is that right? I am in Dallas, Dallas, Texas at Dallas Baptist University. So although we are in Nashville, you are in Dallas. We have this whole little personal conversation that we'll get to have here for the podcast. It's kind of fun. You are one of our first people that we've done this whole remote thing with, and so it's pretty cool. Well, great. So thank you for for joining us today. So listeners, if you don't know Shelly, she is the program director for the Masters of Arts in Children's Ministry and the Masters of Arts in Family Ministry programs at Dallas Baptist University there in Dallas. And before that, she spent a couple years in children's ministry. I don't know if I want to give away your number, (laughs) Shelly, because you're much younger than that. (laughs) I feel much younger than that, for sure. But more than 20 years in the church, is that right? That's correct. Yeah. That's exactly right. I had a great time being a children's minister for a little over two decades. And because of that, you kind of know what you're talking about. So you've been there. <laughs> for our listeners who are in kids ministry, Shelly has been where you are. She understands what it's really like. Plus, she is super well-educated and a very wise woman, uh, not only with her practical experience, but with all of her the learned experience and knowledge uh, as an educator. And so we're excited to have Shelly here to talk with us. Today, we're going to be talking about the young generation. Now, some people uh, think about, you know, the uh, uh, millennial generation, right, as the young generation. But the reality is they're not that young anymore. There's a new generation. Is that right, Shelley? That's right. Yeah. Most of the time, most of the press that we have is on millennials. But there's actually a new generation uh, rising, actually a couple Uh, Gen Z is the one that we're going to talk about today, Um, but there's also Generation Alpha, which is sort of the youngest of the youngest, um, that's still being developed and still characteristics being notated on them. But Gen Z is really the thing that comes behind millennials. Yeah. And so the, the, the news there, if there's a news flash, it's, hey, millennials are full on adults and they are. And so we have, there's millennials are. are having children, you know, they're, they're uh, leading in companies. And so they're not, um, uh, there's a new generation that we need to become aware of. This Gen Z is what we'll talk about today. And it's very different, right? And they, they think and function differently than uh, the other generations before them. They sure do. They sure do. And if you don't know, Gen Z, typically the years that we think of for them are birth years, 1996, to 2010. So those are your eight-year-olds up to about your 22-year-olds is kind of the, the, the cohort that we're kind of focusing in on today. Hmm, nice. And uh, you will be uh, coming to Etch Conference here in Nashville in October. Is that right? That's right. I get to uh, talk about this topic and a couple of others um, and always enjoy coming to Nashville for that conference. Yeah, and we love having you. So this uh, this is absolutely going to be a great. We'll we'll have a nice conversation now in about you know fifteen minutes or so. But listeners, if you are looking for more depth on this subject and other things from Shelley, I would encourage you to check out the Etch Conference. Come and visit us in Nashville. Meet Shelley in person uh, and go in depth in in uh, with an hour of time dedicated to this topic and where you can handle or where Shelly can handle questions and answers. It'll be a great time. You can find information at etchconference.com and look for Shelly's session. So I want to talk Gen Z and hear more about this. I'm excited about this. I love things like, you know, understanding how 
different generations think differently and function differently. Mm-hmm. I really like the personality profiles and those kind of things. It's always fascinating to me to get that insight into, you know, how uh, how I'm wired and how other people are too. And it helps so much to have an understanding of where they're coming from. So we want to have an understanding of where you're coming from, Shelley, before we get started. Right. So I know a couple of things about you. And one of those is that you're a runner. I sure am. So tell me about that. I have never been a runner. <laughs> I used to, I run, you know, well, when I had to run for sports or something, but running was always punishment. It was never something I did for pleasure. So tell me as a as a runner, what is it about running that you love? Well, I love I love getting outdoors. Uh, I'm an outdoors person and so I don't like the treadmill at all. Uh, but I like getting up and I usually do it in the morning. Uh, and uh, it just helps me to clear my head. I listen to Uh, Christian music while I run and uh, it keeps me somewhat in shape uh, Mm -hmm. because uh, I don't have the metabolism that I had when I was in my 20s (laughs) now that I'm in my late 40s and so it's a self-preservation activity but uh, something that I've done for the past 20-25 years uh, and find that it's uh, very uh, helps with stress and uh, helps me to stay in shape and uh, to keep that metabolism at least percolating a little bit. Now, did you start when you were in school? I did. I actually started when I was in high school. I broke my ankle playing basketball one season in the Uh. regional playoffs, and I had to get back in shape after I was in a cast for eight weeks. And so I started running that summer and uh, just kind of kept doing it off and on and then found a couple of friends that enjoy running, and we've done the Disney runs and different things like that. I'm doing the Dallas Marathon here in a few months. So a full marathon. But I'm doing it as a relay. Wow! Yeah, I was I'm doing ask. it as a relay. Yeah, I was a relay. So I'll I'll run the yeah I'll run the first seven miles and then I'll hand it off to a, another friend and they'll run the next miles and so uh, it'll be fun to compete in that in that way. And uh, the older that I get, the harder it is to do the 26 miles. How fun! But have you done a full marathon? I have. I've done a couple of full marathons. Probably the best thing that I've done is I did the. Um, uh, Walt Disney uh, Goofy Challenge, which is where you run a half marathon on Saturday, and then you get up the next day on Sunday and run a full marathon. So you run 39.3 miles in the course of about 24 to 36 wow. hours. Wow. Wow. Well, that's yeah, I'm even fun. more impressed than I was before we started, Shelly. That's very impressive. <laughs> Good for you. Do you have oh, the well, sticker yeah. on the back of your car? Do you have the 26.2 sticker? You know what? I don't, but I have the T-shirt, and I love <laughs> buying new running shoes, so... Uh, but I don't have the stickers. Oh, that's awesome. My oldest son, Tyson, who's now 12, has just started running. So he's been a soccer player. Now he's in cross country, and I don't know anything about the sport, but he's doing well. And so we're learning as quickly as we can to appreciate running and, and all that it is and learn some of the – I may need to get some tips from you when you're in town. That's great. Okay, that's great. That's well, great. all right, let's talk Gen Z. Who are they? How are they different from – uh, our generation, I think you and I are both Xers, right? And I remember when we were the right. young, young ones. Um, but we have yep. our listeners across the board, the, the whole span of, you know, uh, boomers and Xers and, and every generation. But this Gen Z functions a little differently. We're familiar with some of the generations close to us. And this is a new one. Uh, and so take us there. Who are they? How are they different? You already gave us an idea of their age span. But how do they think differently? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Well, uh, their age span, like, like I said, was eight to 22. Um, and they are the second largest generation that we have right now that's living. And by 2020, which is just a couple of years away, they should be about a third of our population. Um, and so it's a very large group of people. Um, and if I were to ask you or any group of people to list some characteristics of Gen Z, um, there's probably at least a few things that everyone would sort of land on and everyone would name. Um, and one that's most obvious is their technology, right? Hmm, yes. Um, they are technology dependent. They're immersed in technology. Um, and most of us would even say they're probably addicted um, to technology. And so, you know, that's one of those characteristics among many that we might could drill down into that would have some implications, I think, uh, for the church. Um, if we look at the differences uh, between uh, millennials and Gen Z on this, um, millennials uh, interact with up to three screens per day. Whereas we're finding that Gen Z, they're interacting with up to five screens mm. per day. So could you name those five screens, Chuck? <laughs> oh, thanks. Put me on the spot. Let's see. Um, I would say uh, a phone, absolutely smartphone. Phone, um, Some right. sort of, uh, of a iPad type device, tablet. Right, device, a tablet. Mm -hmm. a laptop, quite possibly. Yep. There's three. Uh, if we're talking other okay, screens. So yeah. The television. Would television. The people still have those? And then the, <laughs> I think they do, although they don't use them as much. Television. The fifth one is a little bit harder to, to think about, but um, a lot of our young folks now have iPhones. Or not iPhones, I'm sorry, iWatches. Uh, oh, yeah. And so we, like have, an Apple Watch. we have the watch kind of coming in as the fifth uh, screen uh, that, that kids are now interfacing with. And mm. so... Um, millennials interfacing with three screens, Gen Z up to five screens. And so um, the question is, um, if, if we as parents, we as educators, we as ministers, um, if we know that they're interfacing with up to five screens a day and statistics tell us that 50% of them are online for 10 hours or more a day. So 10 hours or more a day, they're looking at a screen um, it, do they need more time on their screens or do they need less time on their screens? What would you answer as a parent? As a parent, I would say less time on their screens. We often, with our kids, limit screen time. And so I, right. screen time Most, is like a, you know, yeah. it's a privilege. Right. And so pretty much every uh, person in our world that has the best interest of kids at heart would say, hey, our kids are way too connected. They've got way too much screen time and that we need to begin to reduce some of that. And so where that comes into us in, in children's ministry and student ministry is if we know that they are uh, in front of screens for 10 hours or more a day and that they're interacting with five of them, and we know that that's not really good for them, we even know that their brains are changing uh, because of the way they're using them in those situations, and we know that their social skills are, are not better, they're actually worse. So if all of those things are true then the question we have to ask ourselves at church is, why are we putting them in front of a screen at church, mm. right? Because a lot of us have um, have kind of adopted more of a, of a large group screen-based yes. delivery system for our content. 
So I think that as we think about Gen Z, they're a little bit different. Whereas before we might have used technology to to engage them and lure them in. Mm-hmm. Um, when we do that now, it's different. Um, and really and truly not all technology is even created equally. Um, yes. If we look at Gen Z, most of their technology use requires them to be active and co-creators. Yes. And it, it emphasizes real heavily on user engagement, right? Yes. So when you think about the social media and you think about the games that they're playing, whether it be Fortnite or whatever it is they're playing, they're actually co-creators in that experience. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Yes. It's but very if we look at church, yeah. we look at church, the technology is more passive. Yes. Right? They're sitting in front of the screen. They're, they're receiving information. It's a content delivery focus rather than a user engagement focus. Mm-hmm. So really and truly, we're using like first generation technology at church. Yes. And they're used to using fifth generation technology. Yes. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So when we think about the fact that maybe we're proud of the fact that we use technology at church, we need to realize that it's not the same technology that they're using. And really and truly, we don't have the ability at this point to to play on the same playing field that they have yeah. in their uh, in their world because they've got active user engagement type technology where they're co-creators, collab- collaborators, um, and so uh, I think that makes us think differently about church and say, okay, are we entertaining them but not inspiring them? Hmm. Uh, are they really engaged in that content that we're giving them? Uh, because really and truly, we know that transformation, which is our goal, yes, doesn't usually happen through technology. It happens through relationships. Yes. And so, um, so I think it just makes us kind of rethink about technology and how we might uh, how we might use it differently, or how we might even pull back from it. Mm. Uh, because we know that kids, and particularly Gen Z, they're uh, oftentimes I see my kids. I have three uh, Gen Zs they'll be in the living room maybe with a game on the television with their phone beside them and their laptop in front of them. Yes. And so it just becomes this very distracted world that they live in. And so at church, we may want to consider all of these things and how we design our experiences so that we probably do need some technology um, to, uh, to enhance some of the experiences. But we need to understand that we need kids in circles more than we need them in rows in front of a screen. And so that's one yeah. thing that I think that is interesting about Gen Z that we could talk about. And so in that setting, you know, that we, I think we, we absolutely agree that, you know, discipleship happens best in the context of relationship. And relationship mm-hmm. is something that's so very important as we come alongside in the church and, you know, get to know faces and names and stories and connect with people. That is still important for Gen Z. Is that right? Do they value those sorts of personal relationships? Absolutely. They need those relationships uh, more than more than ever. Uh, they, they participate in uh, social media for one reason, and that's connection. And the thing about connection is through social media, it's very shallow. And what they really want are people to know them, to love them, to walk aside, walk alongside them uh, in their life. And that takes hard work. You know, that takes commitment. That takes volunteers. And so, honestly, techni- technology is, is a little bit of an easier method than relationships. But relationships are going to yield the biggest result. 
and Gen Z are in desperate need of relationships. If you look at their world, even, um, they are viewing the world without a filter. Uh, they're more aware of evil and, and have more anxiety than any other generation because nobody is filtering what they see. There's nobody keep, to keep the bad out and let the good in, like maybe you and I, Chuck, growing up. Who is our filter? Who helped filter our content? Yeah, m- uh, mom and dad okay. and leaders at church. Yeah, mom or dad, yeah. right? And they could conceivably control that by the relationships they allowed us to have, the places they went, allowed us to go, and mm-hmm. they had more of a, of a sense of controlling that. Generation Z, Alpha, even Millennials, they, they don't have that because everything that they could ever possibly want to know is right in front of them in their in their phone, in their iPad, perhaps even on their watch now. Um, and so they don't have a filter. And so as a result, they know about evil and they know about all the different uh, problems that are in the world. They, they see with transparency the good and the bad and the ugly of the Christian world. And, yeah. and you and I both know that there's a story every week about a Christian leader who's fallen or has... Uh, uh, been arrested for this, that, or the other, and so uh, their their worldview is is a whole lot um, darker because yes. they've been exposed to all of those things. And so I think that creates an opportunity and a and a need for us to prepare them a whole lot better. Uh, they've got to uh, know how to defend their faith more than any other generation because they've got so many different people uh, who have different ideas that they've got to somehow be able to engage with. So I think it's a very challenging uh, time, but it's also a great opportunity for us. So the, the, the older part of Gen Z is already moving out of high school and into adulthood, into the workforce. Uh, but the younger end of the, of the segment is in our kids' ministry right now. Right, right. We've got both ends of the spectrum uh, in this particular generation. And so um, there's implications on both ends. Uh, and our, our college students, if we look at uh, our college students today, we know that uh, they're struggling. They've got higher levels of anxiety and depression than any other uh, generation. We know that um, they struggle with um, valuing truth over tolerance. Mm-hmm. The world teaches them to value tolerance over truth, but God's Word and what we want to do is we want to teach them to know truth. Um, and so they've got some, some things that are pushing at them from the world, and yet they haven't had the opportunity or haven't had maybe the training that they need uh, to be able to defend their faith. So I think, you know, if I'm teaching in the upper uh, adolescence into college, I'm thinking that apologetics and uh, things like that are going to be really important for those kiddos um, beyond just knowledge. It's actually how do I evaluate the things that people tell me, the things that I read, the things, the uh, discussions that I have. It's not just a matter of knowing information. It's knowing how to evaluate it. Hmm. So within the church, for those who are, you know, uh, many of these kids are in our kids' ministries, and as our listeners are leading out in those areas, what are some tips you can share with us on how to engage as people who are not of this generation with this younger generation? What should we be doing practically? Practically, you know, I think that uh, it's it's somewhat going back to the basics of what we know that we're called to do, um, that truth and the Bible has to take precedence. Uh, we have to 
teach kids uh, how to use their Bibles. We have to teach kids what's in their Bibles. Um, and the way that we do that best is through consistent, loving relationships that we have at the church. Um, we've got to call our people back to this idea of investment and sacrifice with this generation uh, because what we know in statistics and what we know in the studies out there is that we're losing more and more of them. Uh, the reality is we're baptizing less and less kids. Um, and so we can't keep doing the same thing that we've been doing. We've got to do some different things. Um, we've got to recognize that their worldview is different, that what they've been immersed in is different than us. And I think it requires us to have more dialogue with our kids and monologue. Uh, I think that we've become too dependent upon uh, large group monologue type teaching. Um, and what we really need is uh, vulnerable, authentic, truthful dialogue yes. uh, with these kids. And and you can't, uh, you know, you obviously can't do that as well with an eight-year-old as you can with a 22-year-old, but it does start when you're young. Uh, I think that well, some of the resources that even you all are beginning to put out or have put out uh, help us with that. Um, the question and answers uh, resource that you have um, that asks questions and then helps kids know how to answer those yes. are, I think, very effective. Um, and so I think the reality is we have fewer and fewer amount of time with these kids at church. And so we've got to make sure that what we do uh, is engaging and that it's transformative. Mm. Wonderful. Well, great information and a very good teaser for the full session that you will give at the Etch Conference coming up in October here in Nashville. So listeners, I hope you uh, can make it out to get to that session and to hear more about this topic. It's fascinating. I'm so excited to hear about it. And it just it just gets me thinking all kinds of different ways that we need to be aware, you know, so that we can effectively engage in that personal level in meaningful ways with each generation generation that we serve. So thank you, Shelly. That's great insight. Now, you you will be at Etch, and you do have a couple other topics. So briefly tell me, what about uh, these other things that you're teaching? You're talking something called trendy or transformational. What is that? Yeah, so that's a new one that I've developed, and it's basically looking at, um, you know, Children's ministry has been commercialized, whether we want to admit it or not. Everyone, there's so many uh, people out there making literature, uh, producing products, and, and all these different things. And um, there are uh, some that are better than others. And so how do we as uh, leaders know the difference between maybe what's just trendy, uh, in other words, what's maybe just focused on the packaging? Right. Versus what is truly transformational. Now it's true that you can be trendily transformational, <laughs> but we tend to we tend to fall on one extreme or another. We tend to be too focused on the package, so that where the content's not that great, or we focus, uh, which I think would actually be a good thing probably if, if we focus so heavily on the content but not on the packaging, it'd be more transformational. But I'm going to look at a couple of analogies. Um, during that time, uh, thinking about whether we're a cruise ship or an aircraft carrier yep, I love in ministry. That. Yes, great. And there's there's some distinct differences, and the cruise ship tends more towards the trendy, mm-hmm. right, the consumer, and the um, aircraft carrier lends more towards transformational towards equipping, sending out type towards of a mission. metaphor. Yep. So I'm excited about that. Um, 
to try to maybe give some some good ways that people can kind of sift through all the stuff that's out there. Great. And then the other one that, I, yeah, the other one that I'm doing is um, understanding children and salvation, yeah. which um, it's just uh, going to be a great, I think, foundational uh, course or seminar where people who want to know more about how do you lead a child to Christ, it's a great responsibility. Um, it's, uh, we've got to know how to do that effectively. And it's also a privilege. Um, and so we'll be emphasizing, uh, respecting the work of the Holy spirit and also, uh, being able to look for signs that a child is, uh, is under conviction and ready to make that decision. But then probably most importantly, um, one of the biggest things I think that, that we struggle with is how to help them afterwards. Mm. Um, and so it's not just about, uh, leading them to Christ and baptize them. It's about how do we make a lifelong disciple? So we'll talk some about that too. So I think uh, that will be helpful, particularly for maybe a new new children's minister and new uh, volunteer who maybe hasn't been exposed to some of that information. I think it'll be I think it'll be fun. So I'm looking forward to it. It's Great. like a family reunion there. Yes, it's I get always to see fun. People, but I don't see all year long, and uh, it, it's I'm totally excited about it. It's a highlight of the year for me and for a, a lot of people on our team. And so we, we just love to have friends come to town, old and new friends, and, and to connect around these things that we have in common as we serve the church and serve kids. So I'm so glad you're coming back, and I'm excited to hear how these sessions go. That's wonderful. Well, Shelly, thank you for your time. Um, listener, if you're interested in coming to the Etch Conference, we would love to have you. You can find information at etchconference.com. That's E-T-C-H conference.com. And you'll find information there on registering or registering for your group. It's a great event to come for kids, student, family ministry, uh, and, and bring your team together uh, for a great time where we can come together as teams. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful event. And we have some great thought leaders who are coming to town. So etchconference.com. Shelly, if they're interested in uh, furthering their education, can you tell us briefly where can they go online to find out about your programs at DBU? Sure. Uh, we have a website, www.dbu, like Dallas Baptist University, .edu. Um, you can do backslash ministry, uh, and uh, you'll be able to find all the information there. Or you can email me. It's Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-Y, at dbu.edu, and I'd love to, love to connect with you. Excellent. Well, Shelly, thank you again for your time. We're looking forward to having you here in Nashville in October. Listeners, thank you for listening. And uh, we trust that this content, as all of our episode content, is informative, instructional, and encouraging to you as you serve in your context. Thank you for listening and join us back again next time on another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.